0: Hey everyone! Welcome to the Sword and Laser episode number one hundred and ninety-one. I'm Veronica
1: Belmont, and I'm Tom Merritt,
0: and this is the science fiction fantasy podcast, book club, video show, and book publisher striving to bring you the latest in genre fiction news as well.
1: I believe people should understand that we have both squeezed our vacations in between episodes of Sword and Laser very neatly.
0: That's true. Yeah, we even had episodes go up during our vacation. I know. We're We're, good. We're
1: insane.
0: We're good. We're so
1: good. If we do say so ourselves. If I
0: do say so myself, I'm good.
1: And we are on our own.
0: We're free of everything. We are unaffiliated except for frog pants because we love frog pants.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll always be affiliated with the frog pants.
0: Yeah. I guess I, so I guess you're bringing that up right off the bat, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't planning on it, but it just felt <laughs> right, uh, right then. And, 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 and to be fair, uh, Mark Frauenfelder over at Boing Boing is like, keep sending us the episodes. So even though the official network affiliation may be, uh, deprecated, Uh, I think he's still going to and he still intends to to post us up over there. So we'll we'll still have a relationship.
0: And to be fair, it's not just us either. It's all of the shows. (laughs) So they didn't just fire us because they hate us. Right. It's a podcast thing. They they
1: Um, were so afraid of angering Veronica that they fired everyone.
0: Yeah, there you go. Good common sense, really. At the end of the day, um, so yeah, we are we are freewheeling, but more on that later in the show. Uh, let's kick things off with what are we drinking, Tom?
1: I'm having Yorkshire Gold Tea because I'm going to go drive fairly shortly after we record this. So, oh, I, I need I need a little afternoon pick me up, uh, but I don't need a little uh, get behind the wheel and get arrested. So,
0: no, do not do that. Tea, tea sounds like an excellent choice. Yeah, no, it's um, really good too. I thought it was like a fancy new cocktail.
1: Oh,
0: the way you would could it. be
1: if you put like Bailey's or whiskey in it or something, but I didn't. Hmm. It's just tea.
0: Interesting. I'm drinking a Hendrix gin and tonic. Um, I had a long shoot day. Actually, yeah. I had a long two shoot days. Um, so I'm pooped, and I just wanted a nice cocktail, a nice grown-up yeah. beverage.
1: Yeah, combats the malaria too.
0: Yes, yes. The um, the quinine. Yes. In in tonic water
1: because <laughs> it's very <laughs> Panamanian like where you live.
0: And I would definitely get malaria. If it was um I'm if surprised malaria you came haven't to San not- Francisco. I would be the person to get it first. Well, I
1: don't think that would stop you. I feel like you would just do it like any like you'd go to the arctic and get malaria somehow or something.
0: Uh Great. much in the way that um yeah, I get all the things is is yeah. what we're trying to uh, <laughs> convey to you guys. Um I am a disease vector essentially. <laughs>
1: You're creative though. You don't just get diseases. You I- get you get them in in, in innovative ways. You're well, I was really
0: I was really happy to not have the tapeworm. I thought I had, though. I was kind of looking forward to maybe dropping fifteen pounds. Oh, that's
1: horrible. That's
0: horrible. um. I was. I mean, not looking forward to it. Just being like, all People right.
1: Used to do that. I they used to Actually swallow tapeworms.
0: I was like, well, you <laughs> know, if this happens, it happens. You know, I'll look on the plus side of things. I'll look at the bright side, the glass half full, <laughs> yeah, the tapeworm okay. half in your I intestine. Try to
1: spin it like it's positive thinking.
0: Get a little PR spin. You know. Robert
1: Schuler would approve.
0: Anyway, I don't have a tapeworm or any kind of parasite Thanks. at the moment. Um, so that's good. We're parasite free. Let's jump into the quick burns.
1: So uh, these are submitted by you wonderful folks in the audience over at goodreads.com. And Joanna is a tried and intrepid uh, submitter. And let us know that the next Old Man's War book from John Scalzi has been announced called The End of All Things.
0: Yes, it is, of course, in the Old Man's War universe, in case you had any questions um, there. And, uh, man, Scalzi is keeping himself busy.
1: He is workhorse. Uh, He does not stop. Remember, Lock-In just came out, and uh, and now he's going back. Uh, Human Division was in the Old Man's War universe uh, a couple years ago now. Uh, It seems like it's more recent than that, but it really has been, hasn't it?
0: I liked this. Uh, He says, the title and cover of the book, formerly known as The Human Division 2, The Divisioning. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So that is not the title, of course. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm so far behind on this series, but I would love to catch up on it one of these days. One of these days.
1: I actually uh, caught up on Zoe's tale, uh, which I was starting like right when the human division came out and just not because it took a long time to get through the book, but because I had so many other book obligations popping up. uh, It, it took me a while to get through it to when the human division finally went through its whole series. So now I need to read the human division before the end of all things comes out, which is a good problem to
0: have. And if you don't already have enough to do, uh, sporadic reviews over on the forums also mentioned that Kim Stanley Robinson's Mars trilogy is coming to television. And this is really exciting, uh, especially since Vince Girardis is working on it from Game of Thrones and, and the uh, not loved enough, perhaps, or maybe loved appropriately, flash forward. Uh, see, t- <laughs> TV. I'm you not know, sure. I actually really
1: liked that series. I, I thought there were lots of good things about it.
0: All right. Well, he's working on the development deal for Spike TV um, for Red Mars.
1: Um, see now, Brian Brushwood and I talked about this on Cord Killers, and yeah. he was very skeptical of the fact that spike tv was oh
0: brian skeptical of something well, i'm sure, so right? know, surprised. but
1: particularly like i think he had a good point which is like are they going to have enough money to do this because spike tv isn't known for throwing out tons of money i made fun of them was like yeah but amc when they first launched yeah. Mad men weren't known as somebody that had money uh it is a fair point though don't tell him it myself. is
0: but i think you know amc as you mentioned uh yeah never agree with brian it's the end of days if you do um so what was i talking about <laughs> you're saying that
1: amc was able, <laughs> AMC to, like, was able to turn you into know, an original programming they
0: they have wow. some great original programming on there now of course you know mad men and and walking dead um Sci-fi is really coming around in a lot of ways, uh, not just in the, in, the, in the new fiction space, but also in the reality space. They're doing some interesting shows. Um, so I'm, I'm not judging anyone anymore. I'm letting things happen the way they happen, and hopefully it'll be good, but I'm not going to put any kind of preconceived notions about what's possible this day and age, because you can do a lot of cool stuff So with not a lot of money anymore. Um, so I'm hoping that that will bear out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I, I think I think that just because Spike TV's behind it is not enough t- to make me worry. Otherwise, I don't think they'd be doing it. I, yeah. think they're, I think maybe Spike TV might not be able to continue to fund it. That would be my bigger worry. But I don't think mm-hmm. they would. I don't think Kim Stanley Robinson would be on board. I don't think Gerardus would be on board if they didn't think they had enough resources to get it done.
0: I agree. I totally agree.
1: Joe Informatico uh, lets us know that Fox has committed to a put pilot i'll explain that in a second for a tv series based on the dc comics uh former vertigo imprint version of lucifer lord of hell lucifer first appeared in the neil gaiman written sandman comics before later featuring in his own vertigo series uh joe had to look up put pilot thanks for looking it up joe it means the network or channel agrees to air the pilot with substantial financial penalties to the development studio if they back out and it's generally seen as a sign that the network wants to pick up the
0: pilot Interesting. Yeah, I had never heard of that term before. Um, so I'm glad he he finagled that in there. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot about this series. I am one of the few people who have not really read Sandman beyond like the first book. Um, so... I, I, I like stuff like this though so maybe I'll, I'll check it out uh, anyway I mean if it's a TV series I'm, I'm yeah. probably far more likely to dive into it because I'm always looking for good new TV shows to watch
1: you know there's the, there's the sort of I'm, I'm looking at it as a Venn diagram there's the people who want Neil Gaiman stuff on television like they want American Gods and they want Sandman and then there's people who want just Sandman on television in any possible way and this is like well at least a sliver of you are happy because you're getting a part of Sandman
0: yeah, okay. there you go. Um sporadic reviews again has a has a post up um and he pointed out that uh is it pyre or peer books? I've never really known.
1: That's a good question. I I guess it's Pyre.
0: I always thought it was Pyre. But Mm. if you guys want to correct me, totally feel free because I I have no idea. Um, He pointed out that Pyre Books in a blog post wrote, uh, we recently heard from independent booksellers that their customers are hungry for science fiction again, despite the predominance of fantasy over these last several years.
1: Yeah, this was part of a blog post about the future of the publisher in general. Uh, And Sporadic Reviews noted that particular passage, which is great. I mean, we've talked several times on this show about why is it that fantasy seems to get more love these days. Mm -hmm. And we've speculated that it's cyclical, and this would seem to bear that out.
0: Yeah, they said that uh, national retailers have indicated that they see a resurgence in space opera, um, a category in which we've not only published before, but one in which we have a new series starting in December with The Fortress in Orion. Um, So this is by Mike Resnick. So... Space opera. We've talked a lot about that on the show, um, especially with James S.A. Corey um, and people like that who have really had some major hits in, in in recent years. And so maybe that cycle is coming around again, and we're going back into a, a you know a, a science fiction period.
1: Yeah, and it would make sense to kind of swing that way eventually. Uh, and I'm excited about that, not just because I'm the laser in the sword and laser, but you know it's it's been a while. Bias! Since- <laughs> since we had a lot of space battles. I need to see some more space battles.
0: Man wants to see some space battles.
1: Uh, and Paul wants to see the new Kindle. Actually, he saw that he took a look at the new Kindle, and he said it looks cool. It's called the Kindle Voyage. Uh, it's thinner. It does this adaptive light uh, trick where it keeps the screen brightness even based entirely on the kind of light that you're in, which a lot of other... Uh, e-readers do and Kindles have done before but it also takes into account the fact that your pupils dilate. Mm. So it'll be it'll be dimmer when you're when it's dark uh or uh, actually wait a minute it'll be lighter when it's dark and then it will slowly dim as your pupils adjust to the room. So it oh. I may have that backwards but essentially that it sounds tries right. Yeah, it tries to make sure that it that the brightness
0: No. It would, it, it would want to start darker and then get brighter as your yes, eyes adjust there we go. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I think. And yeah. it
1: does that. <laughs> it because, does it right. Because you don't want I,
0: to be reading in a dark room with bright light. Right, exactly. Because if
1: you have the bright, you're like, whoa, that's too bright. Uh, but it, it will adapt to that. Uh, four gigabytes of storage. Haptic touch so that you don't even have to take your fingers off the sides of the device to turn the page. You can just sort of twist and it will feel that, that pressure. And and turn the page, which is mm. kind of nifty. Mm. Um, and it's e-ink, so three hundred pixels per inch screen, which is which is pretty good. Two hundred bucks if you want ads. That's that special two hundred books.
0: Two hundred books. Two hundred <laughs> books is currency. Uh, two hundred dollars with ads.
1: Yeah, that's the special offer price. Two
0: nineteen without special yeah. offers. That's All about right. right. It's 20 usually twenty bucks. Bucks if you don't want the ads um, i always get so i'm i'm not gonna get this because my paper white is still just working fine i don't need to upgrade right now but um yeah i i, I like some of the changes they have made i don't feel like it's a huge enough difference for me to feel kindle envy right now
1: yeah i i know what you mean i don't really use the e and key readers i still think they're great but i just use the device i've got around like if i'm Basically, if I'm at the mall waiting for Eileen to come out of the clothing store, I sit and I read on my phone. And if I'm home, I read on my Nexus 7. Um, What? That's kind of it. Why? Because it's lightweight, seven inches, perfect book size.
0: But it's not e-ink.
1: No, I don't have an e-ink e-reader. You
0: don't have a Kindle?
1: I do. I have the original Kindle, but I don't use it. Hmm. I just read on the, the device that's around.
0: Okay. That Kindle. way I don't have
1: to go, oh, I want to read a book. I have to get Kindle's a second device.
0: Kindle's the best. I I, I'm a huge Kindle fan girl. It is my favorite gadget. Like probably even more than my phone. I just love you, it.
1: And they, uh, they now have a $79 Kindle with special offers that's um wait, no, that's the same one. They didn't change it. What am I talking about? Why is they new? <laughs> Trying to trick me. They did something new to the $79 model
0: one. Oh really? But I can't uh, see what knows? the difference
1: is. Who apparently. knows? Yeah.
0: All right, well let's uh let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Uh you guys. Wait, what? Yes, we are launching a Patreon, um, effective today, at patreon.com slash Um If you're a fan of the show, if you have been for years, if you want us to keep doing what we're doing, and also do some new stuff, and do more of the stuff that you love, like author interviews, and traveling around the country, going to cons, interviewing authors, meeting you guys, doing meetups, um, that was redundant, uh, all sorts of fun new stuff that we could add into the show, head over to Sword and Laser patreon and uh maybe and and show us your support if you if you love the show and 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 help us please yeah that was pathetic uh, that went real pathetic real fast tom this is why i'm not good at this you should be reading the ads
1: even pennies will help (laughs) no it's uh it's essentially the fact that we're not going to have uh an advertising supporter right away made us make the decision should we turn to another advertising supporter which we could do uh, and we're not entirely against that. Uh, or should we We try this Patreon thing, which has worked out for me on a couple other podcasts and it's working for a lot of other folks. So we figured we'd, we'd give it a shot. Uh, go to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser and take a look. We've got uh, some rewards that include um, maybe we should have made one of the rewards us not singing, but like some <laughs> exclusive content from Veronica and I, including possibly singing a jingle or mispronouncing things, um, and, and some inside information that you'll get before other people and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. go check it out. Let us yeah. know what you think.
0: And I think most importantly, the Lem on the Run reward is my personal favorite, uh, which is, we'll take Lem on the road. We will go around the country and, and do sword and lasery stuff and bring Lem with us, and, and uh, I think that's, that's pretty cool. He needs to stretch his wings a little bit.
1: And if you're unfamiliar with Patreon, the way it works uh, is you agree to support a show per episode. So if you want to give us freaking five cents an episode, that's fine. We don't care. However much you're willing to give. And then every time we put an episode out, we post it through Patreon. That's how you know it's a chargeable episode. And at the end of the month, Patreon will collect the money from you either through PayPal or your credit card or however you decided to do that. And if we put out like five episodes in a month and you're like, that's too much because I pledged $5 per episode. I don't want to give $25. You can put a max on it. Mm-hmm. You could say, I'll do $5 an episode, but only $10 max per month. So there's a lot of controls for you on the supporter side as well.
0: Well, we love you guys and we love doing this show. And uh, anything you can give would be awesome. And if you can't, that's that's great. We still love you too. And uh, we just want to keep making the show better and more awesome and more, more sword and lasery.
1: Yeah. So anything you can do to help, whether it's the Patreon thing or just buying a book, going to the store or freaking telling somebody about that's actually one of the best things you can do is just tell someone about Sword and Laser.
0: And a lot of you have been doing that on Twitter. And I always love seeing those yeah. posts. And, and thank you for doing that and letting your friends know about the show, especially if they want to read along with us. It's, it's always great to grab new people that way.
1: Because mostly when, what we want to do is get people reading.
0: Yeah. Like reading Rainbow for nerdy adults. That is sword and laser. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on to picks. Uh, Now, these, of course, are are, uh, user reviews, things you guys are talking about, what you're reading, uh, calendar items that we're personally excited about. And uh, as Tom has mentioned in the past, uh, for the next six weeks or so, I guess maybe for the next four weeks because we've done two already. um, Oh, we already talked about this one. We should jump to the next one.
1: Oh, no. We introduced the thread for Jonathan Strickland, but we didn't go back and find out what folks were saying.
0: Oh, okay. Cool.
1: So, uh, yeah. So as you remember, uh, Jonathan Strickland uh, was one of our six uh, Kickstarter backers who got us to talk about a book. Uh, and we put up a thread for Shadow Show by Brad Strickland, who's Jonathan's father. Um, and he said, if you recall, I would like to pick... A book my mom totally didn't write, my dad did, Shadow Show, which technically is dark fantasy horror, maybe leaning more toward the horror side, but it's available in electronic book format. It's my favorite of his books, and I feel it really captures the area of Georgia where he and I grew up. So for a little more insight into your beloved bald buddy, uh, check it out. And Rob Secundus said, Southern fantasy horror? Yes, please. As a big fan of Southern writers, I'm very much looking forward to reading this, though I won't be able to until after a paper on Warren is finished. Well, I hope you finally got around to it, Rob.
0: Oh, you had to write a paper? Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking about how much I hated writing papers. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to do that.
1: And then Terp Kristen said, "Uh, never heard of it, but I'll give it a try. That said, the horror thing usually isn't for me, so I'm not sure how it will go. But this is why I joined this club for broadening my horizons.
0: Yes. And then Terp Kristen went on to say that FYI, the book is part of Kindle Unlimited, so it can be borrowed under the program. Or it's just, you know, $5.59 for those not part of Kindle Unlimited.
1: So there you go. Check out Shadow Show by Brad Strickland, and and the discussion will continue in the Goodreads forum as well. Next time, we'll discuss "The Steel Remains" by Richard K. Morgan, which was suggested by Vaughn. Uh, the The kicker with "The Steel Remains" is that it's Richard K. Morgan's fantasy book. Mm. Uh, we know him as Altered Carbon, right? Because we read that here. Uh, but this is a fantasy about a dark lord rising and the prophecy that dogs ringel sqf we who you can call gill for short a washed up mercenary and uh, if that's got you intrigued uh, go check out the link in the show notes
0: um alex already had a note about it that it's kind of a modern fantasy which not really an urban fantasy more of a mm-hmm. modern fantasy interesting so i'm curious to see how that that pans out
1: yeah go uh, get in there and discuss it and we'll talk more about it next week
0: what are you reading really lately tom
1: I have been reading our book picks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I went, on va- I went on vacation and I thought, oh, I'm going to catch up on the book pick. I'm going to get back into reading all these other books. And uh, wow, I just didn't do much reading at all on vacation because we were moving and walking around so much. I'm still reading The Steel Remains uh, uh, by uh, Alistair Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And I'm also – and I'm really enjoying it, but it's just slow going for me to Wait, find time. you just
0: said you're reading The Steel Remains by Alistair Reynolds.
1: Yeah, that's not right. That's I said right. Steel Remains, which is Richard K. Morgan. What am I reading? Uh, by Blue Alistair. Remembered
0: Earth? No, no you the, read the, that.
1: On the Steel Breeze. I knew there's steel in there. Oh, okay. On the Steel Breeze by Alistair Reynolds, which I, as people know, I've been reading that for a while. Uh, and I just started A, Lift the Unseen, obviously, which is our yes. next Yes,
0: I just started that as well. I've also read um, the first four books in the Kate Daniels series by Alona Andrews. Um, the first book of of that series was our Vaginal Fantasy pick for this month. And then I just could not stop you reading. just kept going. I just kept going. And I never—I nice. almost never do that. And uh, it was because I had finished um, – no, that's not even true. I finished. I finished our book pick two nights ago. So I was just killing time. I was like on the beach and I was reading kind of, you know, trashy urban fantasy. That was fun.
1: See, uh, yeah, if I go to a beach vacation, then that's what happens. I end up reading a lot. I think that's what I thought was going to happen and that didn't happen for me.
0: Yeah. So that's that's what I've been reading. And uh, last night I started uh, A-Lift the Unseen. So that is what I'm reading now.
1: You can find more upcoming releases at com slash calendar.
0: Alright, let's hop into Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Um, we had some interesting posts this month, uh, including good books that are driven distinctly by outstanding dialogue. And this made me laugh because I was um, really thinking about this recently uh, because I was reading um, Red, Red, Sk- Red Skies Over Red Seas. Is that how it goes? By Scott Lynch? Uh, Red, I always get Red it wrong. Sea- Red but... Seas Under Red Skies. Um, so that's... yeah.
1: That's it. Red seas under red skies is right
0: okay and uh, by Scott Lynch Um, and the dialogue in that book is so clever that it was just sometimes I lost track of what was happening in the actual story which sounds crazy but I was like it kind of took me out of the story because I kept noticing how funny the lines were Uh I'd be like oh that's really clever how does he think of these clever things for them to say Uh wow that was a really good joke wow I wonder if I talk like that do I sound like that with my friends or (laughs) are they just particularly clever guys
1: am I as clever as Locke Lamora
0: I wish I was as clever as Locke and I could have this kind of repartee with my good friends. Um, so it, it went like that. But anyway, Paolo says, there are many narrative and literary techniques available to a writer to move their story forward. The more I read, the more I find myself drawn particularly to books with exceptionally good dialogue above all other styles of writing. I feel like noteworthy dialogue draws me into a book more than anything, and e- I'm easily able to imagine the characters and events in a story with good dialogue. Having said this, are there any books in particular that you can recommend, especially for having distinctly good dialogue? And Joanna was the first to jump in, and she said that uh, she really likes Lois McMaster-Bujold's Rokosikin series. Um, And I have to agree, especially with the the first one in that series. Um, The dialogue's great. And it really, I think, makes the characters a lot more personable.
1: Anya pointed out Terry Pratchett uh, is such a king of dialogue that oftentimes he doesn't even write which character says what because you just know. Uh, and I think that's universally acknowledged. Uh, Spider Robinson's books Couple uh, people were, said that, yeah, were pointed out by Phil. I, by would, John I, would, too. I, would, I would say Douglas Adams uh, is my favorite dialogue writer. Because he just makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. And yet it's not like all his characters are him saying jokes. All the characters are still distinct.
0: I really like uh, Joe Abercrombie, too, in that regard. I think his characters always have really great things to say.
1: (laughs) No, you're right. Especially Logan.
0: Good one-liners, for sure. Um, So I got a kick out of that.
1: Say this about Joe Abercrombie. Say he can write dialogue.
0: Say he can write some mean dialogue. (laughs) Um, And then guard had a post that uh, I was drawn to. Where are you? It was, uh, what's with the giant spiders? <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, what, like Shelob? Like, what yeah. what, are, what giant spiders are we talking about? Like, is that a common trope in books? He says, anyone else run into this? I've killed three of the largest spiders I've ever seen this week. The last one exploded, and the goo looked like alien acid blood.
1: What I love about this thread is that even though it doesn't have anything to do with books, everyone jumps in with, like, these like compelling reasons why they think what they think about spiders. Like some people in Australia were talking about buying these, like capturing huntsman spiders, which are these huge spiders that make a thunk (laughs) on your walls. Uh, Other people were talking about like, please don't kill the spiders. Just take them outside. And lots of people are saying, yeah, I like the spiders that hunt the insects. I always let them live. Uh, Which I do too, actually. I have no problem with spiders. I don't like them in the house necessarily, although in a couple of corners I let them go because I'm like, yeah, catch some flies. Keep them out of my hair.
0: Trike has posted the most terrifying picture of a spider I think I've seen in a really long time. He said, I appreciate spiders, but I do not like spiders. They creep me right the hell out. Look at this photo I took of a wolf spider carrying her egg sac. She mugged me in order to pay for those 1,500 kids. I saw her just the other day in the garage, and she's easily 50% larger now. And this spider is covering George Washington's face on the dollar bill.
1: And then Ruth says, I must be an oddball, because all I can think looking at that picture is cute.
0: Yes, you are an oddball. That is horrifying. But it's a mother with her babies. We have some really big spiders uh, that have been hanging out in my house recently, and I'm not okay with it. Um, I don't kill them. But um, I hate mosquitoes more. So if they're doing anything for the mosquitoes, which I don't think they really are, uh, that would be great. I'd really appreciate that.
1: Shall we move on to Peter V. Brett calling out DC Comics?
0: Yes. Go for it.
1: Sean wrote, Peter V. Brett got a hold of a new Justice League RPG, which he intended to play with his daughter, who's a huge superhero fan. The only problem, whoever designed the game didn't see fit to include female characters, not even Wonder Woman. Uh, And Peter V. Brett is none too happy about it. He writes, maybe statistically it's more likely to be four boys playing, and they want to cater to that. But if so, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you market only to boys, don't be surprised boys are your only market. And don't be surprised if the boys with sisters and female friends end up playing something else entirely. Hmm. And he goes on,
0: I agree. I mean that is that that self fulfilling prophecy has been something that comes up in video games, it comes up in in books, it comes up in all sorts of different kinds of media um, you know if if it's if you bring the characters the the fans will come, I think.
1: Um, And here's the the thing, right? It's not a question. Like you could have lots of arguments of like, there should be more than just Wonder Woman in in a DC game. And that would be a fair argument. That would be a productive argument. Or you could say that like, well, but female superheroes just historically are underrepresented in in the mythology. And so the game is representing that mythology. And, and, And how much is it the game's responsibility to correct for that? And that would be a productive discussion. But apparently neither one of those discussions are relevant because they didn't even put the one famous female superhero that dates back to the 40s that is a no-brainer to put in the game. What is wrong with them?
0: I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for the expansion packs. I don't know. I can't think of anything that makes any sense.
1: Also, what is it with Wonder Woman? Like, they can't get a TV series off the ground. Uh, we're finally going to see her in a movie, but only as a third character in the Batman versus Superman. And
0: totally briefly. Like, she's hardly, yeah. from what I've read, she's hardly in that film at all.
1: Wonder Woman is a fantastic character. I loved that series growing up <sighs> it's with depressing. Linda Carter.
0: It's depressing. Yeah. It's like, there's Wonder Woman fans out there. Like, help help, help a girl out. Help a guy out. There's tons of male Wonder Woman fans, too. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. She's a badass.
1: Yeah. She's Wonder Woman.
0: She's All right. a lasso. Let's jump into the book of the month discussion. Uh, we're going to kick off uh, the book pick for October, uh, which was my pick. And uh, then we're going to wrap up Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang, which was our September pick. Uh, but we'll do that after the kickoff. So that way, if you don't want any spoilers for Stories of Your Life, you can just skip past that and you won't miss anything on the show.
1: Right. So here's our non-spoilery kickoff. Uh the Unseen by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, a little bit about Ms. Wilson. She was born in New Jersey, attended Boston University, and lived in Cairo in her early 20s. Uh, her first graphic novel called Cairo was based on that experience and listed as a top graphic novel for teens by both the ALA, American Library Association, and the School Library Journal. Uh, she had a comic series air nominated for the Eisner Award and Aleph the Unseen was her first novel and won the 2013 World Fantasy Award. We even interviewed her back in 2012 when Ayla first came out.
0: Yeah, that was that was awesome. She was fantastic to interview. Um, and speaking of superheroes and uh, female superheroes, um, in in 2013 in November, last November, a, a lot of people heard about this. Uh, Marvel announced that uh, she's going to be writing a new Miss Marvel series, starring a new character, Kamala Khan, a young Muslim girl living in New Jersey who takes up the mantle after the previous Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, took. Up the name Captain Marvel, so that's like Let- a progression of awesome women going into this role, yeah. um, and totally different too. Because we, I, you know, I think there's only a handful of um, Arabic and, and Muslim characters in the comic world, especially at least in, in the United States. Um, so I think it's it's really powerful to have not only a female role model but also a, a Muslim role model as well.
1: G Willow Wilson is talented, uh, and she's she's very well proven in the comics world. So I was excited t- to read this novel because I've heard so many good things about it. Uh, Aleph is an Arab Indian computer hacker. I'm going to take the description from James Wilson of Octavia books, because I feel like this is a better one than sort of the publisher's uh, blur. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aleph is a hacker who gets into deep trouble when he tries to erase himself from the web. His troubles only increase when he receives an ancient text written by the mythological jinn that may be the key to unlocking a whole new way of programming. This smartly written action-packed thriller is reminiscent of the early works of Neil Stevenson and William Gibson, unpredictable to the very end. I could not put it down, says James Wilson. And I think that's important to know for people, even if it's a tiny bit spoilery, because this novel is going to start and you're going to go, okay, this is definitely a Middle Eastern-based fantasy. And then you're going to get out of that first chapter and you're going to say, this seems like a coming of age story. (laughs) And it is. Uh, And it's a good coming of age story, but it's not going to stay there. So hang in there with it. If that's not your cup of tea, it's going to take a turn that will definitely sweeten that tea.
0: <laughs> that mint tea um, yeah it 's um I, I started reading it already, and it, it's it 's very different from so many things we 've read and uh, uh, like you said tons of tons of comparisons to Neil Stevenson and William Gibson, and um, also a lot of comparisons to Little Brother by Cory Doctorow, um, because it 's kind of coming from that hacker uh, activist angle. Um, And all of this was written. uh, Did you mention this? uh, That it was written during, like, just after the Arab Spring?
1: Right, it was we we should mention that it was yeah. put out in 2012, so it's very very uh very tied
0: into that. into yeah. that period especially. Um, and how technology changed so many things in the Middle East. Um so it's it's I think it's a it'll be a, a very interesting new perspective for us and um, something a little bit different uh in terms of of being a fantasy book. That is more modern and takes place in a non like European style setting or or American centric setting. Uh, so yeah, it should be it should be good.
1: And if you'd like to hear a little more about the book, uh, we'll have a link to episode one twelve of Sword and Laser where we interviewed G Willow Wilson about it in the show notes.
0: All right, and uh, and thanks by the way to Rob who's done a fantastic job in the forums of organizing the discussion topics uh, last month and this month. Um, he did a great job, uh, no-brainer, for making him uh, our first fan moderator. And um, he did a great job, especially with Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang, because it, it really lent itself to doing story-by-story story discussions. Um, and so we have a different discussion thread for each short story in that anthology. Of course, it doesn't always work for every book we do, because we're not going to do chapter-by-chapter chapter breakdowns. Um, but it for short stories, I think that kind of system worked really, really well. Uh, of course, there were also other topical conversations that we had about the book in general on the forums, um, but it was cool to see the breakdown story by story and also kind of what tied those different stories together, and that's something that we really talked about at the uh, Sword and Laser Book Club m- meet-up in person here at Borderlands last night, um, so thanks to all, all you guys that came out for that. Um, but there, was a, there were a few common threads, um, and so... Ted Chiang, by the way, primarily a short story author. He also works in technology, um, which I think really comes across when you're reading these stories because there's such a breadth of knowledge of all different kinds of disciplines, you know, from physics to, to language and linguistics and mathematics and theology. And so reading these stories, you really get an idea of what interests him and how he kind of has an idea and kind of jumps into it full bore and is able to craft a really interesting story around something that is highly technical. And sometimes for me, that that gave me pause and made it difficult for me to kind of get into the story. And also we learned um, by reading the book jacket that the stories are chronological. So the first story, The Tower of Babylon, is the first short story he wrote that he published. And then they go from there. And so if That's the most, interesting. So they're chronological
1: yeah. by the Publish time that date. he published
0: yeah. them. Or, or it might have been written date, because I know that or his written. first okay. um, understand was the first short story that he sold after he was in the Clarion workshop. Um, so he had tried to get that short story published in, in many collections previous to being in Clarion. And then he was able to go to the workshop, kind of workshop that story, make some changes to it. And then be able to say on the cover letter this is my clarion workshop story and then suddenly he he got all a lot of acceptances yeah um so i thought that was that was pretty neat as well uh but you can kind of see how the stories go from if you think about them in chronological sense i think the character development especially improves over time so let me think like divide by zero for example one of the first stories where we really get what feels like a character analysis of the two, the two people in the tale. And I didn't really get a sense that I knew those people by the end of the story. And I thought the math, you know, maybe it was just the math was beyond my comprehension. Um, But I never felt connected to the people. Do you know the story I'm talking about? Yeah,
1: I do. And I both agree and disagree with you. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel that I got a connection to the people as human beings, I mean, that's a, <laughs> maybe the wrong way to say it, but like I didn't get an emotional connection like, oh, I know this person, I've met this person, et cetera. But at the same time, the concept that was described of one person discovering something that undermines all of their faith, right? And in this case, it's faith in mathematics. Mm-hmm. And then someone else going from being the person that relied on that person's stability to being the person that now has to support them, I felt was very human. So the situation I identified with.
0: Well, yeah, because I mean, all of her faith is in math, and then that's shattered, and then all yeah. of his faith is in her, and then that falls apart, right? And so it's, no, it's,
1: I, it's, I and I, I think that was incredibly rich, and and almost the kind of thing you want in characters, right? It, it's sort of circling around it, but I know what you mean that the characters themselves didn't have additional depth maybe to add to that situational depth.
0: Yeah. I guess I just didn't care about them enough in mm-hmm. that particular story. Um, but then that kind of changed, you know, for me, especially with story of your life, which I think we talked about in the last episode a bit. Um, Cause I really did care about the main character. And I thought that was a really good combination of interesting sci-fi and a personal tale and how they were intertwined. Also, all these stories, I think, except maybe one, had like a major twist. Yeah,
1: in fact, Carolina pointed that out in this thread about the common thread of the stories, that they all are about, uh, as she puts it, uh, a collection that have, I believe the common thread that this collection has is preconceptions and destroying or debunking them. And that twist is that point where the preconception is turned on its head.
0: Yeah, I think the only twist that happened... I don't know if there was a twist in um, liking what you see. Uh, I guess the twist was that, you know, that's not the only way to manipulate people. Here's this other major way of being able to manipulate people. You know, because it went from manipulation by having your Cali on or off versus you know, this this style. What was it, like a speech style? What was the, what was that final manipulation? Right, it was the
1: charismatic. Charismatic
0: uh, speech, like being able to convince agnosia. people of things based on all these different, the, the, the you know, messing with their spec and whatnot. Yeah, it um, doesn't
1: have the direct twist. It's more of a slow turn, right? Mm-hmm. Because our, I, I like to think of her as the main character, even though the characters are very spread out in that story. Uh, but the woman who's upset and wants to turn her Callie off and does it, And then tries to get her boyfriend back, then ends up going back to like, well, maybe I should turn it on, you know, like you it's not a twist so much as like a turnabout of her character. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you're looking for in divide by zero right is a character that grows and learns and becomes deeper over the course of the story
0: but maybe that's not going to happen because you're seeing the downfall of that person in division Mm -hmm. by zero you're not seeing them be built up and becoming a person you're interested in because they've already been that person somewhere else now they're on their decline and so maybe that's why you don't connect to them in the same way or at least maybe why i certainly is a a challenge to try
1: to do that you're right
0: so that was interesting um I really liked Hell as the absence of God, although I kind of knew it was going to all end like go to hell well, in a handbasket, as it were. I got a
1: twist. That, I did not expect him to go to hell.
0: Did you not? I kind of no, expected him taking, to go to hell. I was, I was like, he's surprise. not going to end up in heaven. There's no way I this is going to end happily.
1: I thought he was going to end up in heaven and be miserable. I thought that I thought oh. what was going to happen is he would end up with his wife and get what he wanted and then not be happy. Mm-hmm. And like everyone would be like how can you not be happy in heaven? But I started to doubt that conclusion when he saw the light and I'm like, well, I guess I guess the this could be like you have to lose who you are and is that actually achieving something and of course pretty shortly thereafter you get the rug pulled out from under you.
0: Mhm. Um
1: I loved 72 letters. Didn't, I that didn't enjoy that,
0: really? Probably my least favorite.
1: Uh, because I loved the concept. The, the thing I loved about all of these stories was the, the conceptual universes that he created are fantastic. And I love that idea of saying, well, what if all of this mythology is science? Let's just take... This mythology and make it science. It's now true. It's now fact. It's not even like controversial. And you can write things on letters and make Gola and 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 move them around. And I thought that was really fun.
0: Is that the um? Is that the multiple of Gollum?
1: Gola, I think Gola? so. Gola,
0: Gola, really interesting.
1: I, well God, oh,
0: I'm, I'm out saying out. interesting too much. It's driving me crazy. Um, I hate when I, I start crutch Gola. wording. Ugh gnarly Veronica? i think gola
1: is the single and golem is the plural actually
0: really yeah well anyway uh, i thought that was cool because i just read he she and it which is another story about golem um golem it's not about golem different different thing <laughs> totally different thing
1: <laughs> he wants is it
0: But the book club uh, members were making fun of me last night, because I think I just kind of stopped reading that story, like towards the end, because I don't remember, I like, I know it kind of turned into like, oh, this is how DNA came to be, or these words are DNA sequencing. And it turned into real science. Is that what happened?
1: uh sort of i'm trying i'm still you don't even to remember you, you, you did golems. not you did not
0: even like this tale you're just just pulled no no chain. i i'm,
1: I'm distracted because i'm trying to find if i if gola is actually it doesn't a real- matter it,
0: this is um, more important than that
1: just email feedback at sword dot com i got it from <laughs> dune gola an artificially created human okay anyway well yes. that could
0: have just been how would they call them in dune
1: that could be where i'm picking that up from <sighs> I, yeah, so the idea that DNA has to be created by man to solve the animalcules problem that everyone used to think was true and we've proved the opposite, it just turns science on its head. It says, well, what if what we used to think would true was true and what we now think is true is a myth that somebody has to turn into truth?
0: Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, I... I didn't under- really understand the assassin section in that story who was trying to kill him. What was happening there? I don't know.
1: Well, it's, you, know, you could just throw that under espionage, corporate espionage, You in know, and, and, and a time when life was cheaper in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think I, that's how I, I felt about it. It's like, yeah, okay. This kind of thing did happen in the age of the, the robber barons.
0: Would you turn off your Cali? Would you turn off? Oh, your Oh, we're going to switch
1: back. We're going to switch back. Okay, liking what you see. Uh, would I turn off my Cali? Would I turn it on? Would I want Cali yeah, at would all? would you want Cali? I would want to try it. I really would. Yeah. I I think it would be a relief to be able to not be distracted by appearance at all, both positive and negative. You know, there's certain people that you find it hard to talk to because they're so freaking beautiful. Um and there's other people that you find it very distracting to talk to because maybe they have a disfigurement or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all do our best. This is why this story is so good, actually. We all do our best to pretend that neither of those things are true, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like I can hear people groaning like, oh, I can't believe you said that. But it's true. There are people like that out there. And we we try to correct for that. And that's what makes us good people if we're trying to be good people is that we don't let that be what guides our actions and, and everything, uh, and so having the ability to just turn that off, I'd be interested what it would do to you. Maybe it would make you a lazier person. I don't know.
0: I think it would make you a more productive person because you wouldn't be distracted yeah. by all the outside stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I was kind of on that on that board. I was. Yeah, like, you'd,
1: you'd totally just turn it on and leave it on.
0: Yeah, I would just be like, I don't need that stuff. Doesn't matter I to me. Want the
1: option to turn it off so I could see life the way we evolved to see it. Sometimes I think okay. that's important. But. Well, he,
0: well, here's this. So I'm, I interview stuff. I interview people's stuff. I interview stuff things. Uh-huh. You know? I interview people a lot for my job, and sometimes it can be distracting if they are attractive or if they are sure. famous. Of course. And so maybe that would be help me career wise because I wouldn't get this. Yeah, I think all
1: uh, Charlie Rose, Veronica Belmont, all the interviewers of the world should have Cali.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would make you a lot more unbiased too. For stuff yes, you got to ask all hard reporters questions of should have people. Callie. There you go. All right, we solved that problem. Um, so overall, I thought this was a really cool collection of stories. Um, I did have a hard time kind of staying with it. I think I, probably because I was reading all those trashy romance novels. Um, but it was, you know, it wasn't forcing me to pick up the book over and over. Maybe because it was not a cohesive tale. Um, I wonder if maybe for short stories, if they're harder to be a beach read because you don't get drawn into them. You don't feel that compelling need to continuously read. What do you think?
1: I think for some people that's going to be true. I think you're absolutely right. Some people want that narrative thread that makes them keep going. Uh, I found it because I read this a lot while doing chores or running or things like that, that it was it was handy to not be lost Right. I I didn't have to think back or rewind and remember like, okay, where was I in this overall narrative? I could, I could just be like, oh, we're on a brand new story. This is great. Starting from scratch. That also has its drawbacks because for me, one of the hardest things in reading any story is getting to know the names of the people and associating them with their characters. I often just still can't remember a character's name after I've read an entire book. And so when you're dealing with short stories, you have to do that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't really get in my way. I, I, I blazed through this uh, pretty well.
0: All right. Well, I, I think that kind of wraps it up for me. Do you have anything else you want to add about any of the particular stories?
1: No, I'm good. I really enjoyed, uh, this book and I, and I, I would love to see more from Ted Chang. and I know there's a lot more out there. Uh, there's a lot of free short stories, so go check them out. We'll have some links mm-hmm. to some of that in the Goodreads forum as well. And, uh, I'm looking forward, uh, I'm already into, uh, a Aleph the Unseen, which is not Alif. I keep saying, uh, wanting to say Alif. It's oh, Alif.
0: weird. I always say Aleph. Yeah. Aleph is
1: right. Aleph is the way it's supposed to be. Oh, said you
0: want to hear something funny? So we were at the meetup last night and, um, uh, I believe I was talking to to Nick and he said we were talking about um, Scott Lynch. And we were sitting there and I was like, oh, I love Scott Lynch. Like we really tried to get him for the video show, but it just didn't work out. I'd love to have him on the podcast sometime. And he goes, you had him on the podcast. And I was right. like... I was like, no, we didn't. No, I tried to get him for the video show. We haven't had him on the podcast. And he's like, no, I'm 100% positive you had him on the podcast. Yeah, we and did. I, shut up. And I was like, no, no, we didn't. No, that's, no, that's crazy. I wouldn't have emailed him that way if we had had him on the podcast. He pulls up his phone. He's like, bam, the episode is called Interview with Scott Lynch. And I was <laughs> like, oh, it must have been like a really early one, right? And he was, it was like, pretty early. He was like, it was episode like, what was it? Like 92. Yeah. or something. So it was in 2012 or something. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> so well, you guys are better at remembering because than
1: I, I do. remember him asking like, "How much can I swear?" <gasps> before we did the episode. But I feel
0: like a lot of people have have asked that in the past. Yeah, but
1: he was the first one of of the people we interviewed to really be like, "Can I?" And we're like, "Well, oh, I don't know." maybe uh, and, maybe And he was really fun to talk to, and, and I fell in love with Lies of Locke Lamora right after that interview.
0: Yeah, so that was, I, I got a kick out of that. You guys have better memories than I than I do, for sure. It's probably because I drink too many gin and tonics during the episodes. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys. Um, of course, if you want to help support the show, head over to patreon.com slash laser. Give what you can, help support Sword and Laser, and uh, let us do more cool stuff in the sci-fi fantasy world. If you want to get in touch with us, our email address, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com our website is swordandlaser.com all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com and make sure you send us in some book reviews if you guys have reviewed something and want us to post it over on the blog uh, make sure you send that review to reviews at swordandlaser.com we'll post it up thank you guys so much for listening we will see you next time oh and we have Robert Bennett on next week's episode so if you're a fan make sure you uh, keep an eye out for that we've got the video up already but it will be in podcast form next week Talk to you soon. See you next time.
1: This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com.